Hi there, and welcome to episode 15 of season number two of the Connect 2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm good. Another week, another, another uh, week. $11.52. <laughs> Doesn't really relate to anything. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what I pay for, uh, I think that's what I pay for uh, my website a month. $11.52. Really? Something like that. Oh, there you go. American. So it's actually more like sixteen dollars. I have to say this: Wix.com. Everybody's who, got if these. they want to sponsor us, I'd be happy to take their money. Everybody has got these subscription models. Thank you. And these subscription models are insidious because you get so many subscriptions, and you're going like, "What the hell is that?" Subscribe. Like, there's I have a I have this one subscription for this woman who is an incredible dog photographer. Okay. And I I follow her. Oh, and if you're new to the channel, rate, review, and subscribe. You'll find us on iTunes, Google, whatever, uh, Spotify. We're on all those platforms. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and I pay like 50 bucks a month because I have a course that I've not quite finished with hers. And in order to keep it open, I have to do that. Plus, <laughs> nice her content scan. is really good. It, it, like, it's exceptionally good. Mm. But what I realize is I have not found the time to actually go into the content and go after it so yeah i have things like that i have and it's just this this like these little incremental bits and pieces that yeah. just drain in my bank account <laughs> i saw one that i would love to sign up for if if cash flow when cash flow is better it's uh you get a watch every month so i think it's like 2400 bucks for the year you get a they, new watch you get a new watch a premium so they they claim that by the end of the year, the value of all the watches at retail is about six grand, and you're paying about twenty four hundred. So, they uh, they curate a and I love watches, so a collection of of men or ladies watches, depending if you're a man or a lady, and um, yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Well, like so, they won't get a Rolex or a, a Philip or Patek Philippe, you know, you can't go nuts, but some reasonably decent brands of of. Uh, fashionable watches well this is the thing with one some, a month that'd be awesome some of these phones so you know i don't have an apple watch but i have a garmin watch one of these phoenix things yeah and you can change the faces and you and even you can change the straps the straps are like super easy to change oh yes you basically just pull this pull a little okay and it pops off and you have new straps and you can nice. have metal straps different looks leather sure. straps yeah so you can get uh, so as long as you're happy with the base but you can change the faces like pretty radically it can be wow. a digital watch it can be a i have it set up as analog um i noticed that yeah and uh, but yeah there's so many different you can have different yeah. colors different styles that's cool but you got to do the work though well it's not it's that. not as much fun as a new watch showing up every month and you're like look at this <laughs> but I only paid That's one. Why these... I only pay once for this. I don't have to pay. Everything. This is true. <laughs> this is why I think the subscription model works because it's the, it's the anticipation, it's the excitement, it's you know. They find they find the thing that drives you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, so today's coffee. We have yes. coffee. Uh, it is. We always have coffee. It's a little bit different. So it says uh, it's from Palette Coffee Roasters out of Vancouver. Okay. It's mm, uh, Ethiopian from Limu. And the process is natural. So the, uh, just a sec. A minor technical crisis mm. here. Well, I can say it's quite tasty. 
Um, and I fixed that crisis. So, um, so the coffee is from Ethiopia and naturally processed. So we, as the, for our, the coffees we get is from a company called the Roasters Pack. They don't usually feature coffees that are considered, um, natural because natural process means that the cherry coffees are picked sun-dried for 10 to 28 days mm. the process is the oldest method of drying which is an important step in uh <laughs> very cool <laughs> this is not what i expected oh interesting <laughs> my we're, uh my, we're my, doing my, side stuff my here. <laughs> My phone decided that uh, I was dictating a memo and mm. started uh, transcribing everything I was saying. There you go. There you go. Uh, so there's an important step in removing the fruit from the greens coffee seed. However, ah. drying time used to more fruit jam-like fermentation forward flavors, especially from Ethiopia. Wow. For some coffee drinkers, that can be a bit intimidating and potentially unexpected in their coffee cup. So the flavors for this one is floral, bittersweet. Mm cherry and cherry and spices it's interesting a, it's a very, it's very interesting tasty. flavor it's quite different from some of the other ones we have. this reminds me I've, I've heard or read that coffee is one of the crops that is going to be threatened by global warming in such that lots of areas that now grow coffee may not be able so we may have a in the future sometime, not sure when, but we may have a global coffee shortage, mm. which means I think that, I heard about that not only will we be suffering the effects of global uh, climate change, but we're all going to be stressed out because we can't get our caffeine. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, my. Why are you so irritable? Is it because the sky's on fire? No, because I haven't had a cup, a cup of coffee. <laughs> exactly. In two months. <laughs> What's your dad joke? I'm in a weird mood, so this is a uh, this is an actual dad joke told by a serial killer okay. who was executed in this is like in the 1930s, and a, a gentleman named George uh, Charles Charles Apple George Apple was executed in Sing Sing in like 1931 or whatever, and uh, in the electric chair, and his last words were, "Gentlemen, you're about to see a baked apple." <laughs> That's dark. Just before they threw the switch. That's really dark. Yeah. So not a repentful, not a, resent, a remorseful guy, apparently. But, yeah. Well, my wife told me. Thought that one up in the cell, probably. <laughs> what am I going to say? I got to come up with something good here. <laughs> my wife uh, was really tired of uh, me making Star Wars jokes. Okay. That's the way it said to her. Uh, and she said if I kept it up, that she was going to leave me. Okay. So I said divorce is law uh, is strong in this one. <laughs> ah, there you go. Classic dad joke. Yes. <laughs> we need the drum shot. Yeah, we need that. Uh, we yeah, a gong. We spring in some of those sound effects. The claves. So what did you learn this past? Okay, week? here's the thing. Have you ever heard of a Boltzmann brain? No. Okay. So this is this is gonna blow your mind. So. It's kind of complicated. It ties into quantum physics. But okay. apparently a gentleman, physicist named Boltzmann, came up with a, 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 a theorem quite a while ago. And here's basically, I mean, it's, I watched a 12-minute video, which was really technical. But here's the idea. If you assume or accept that the universe is basically infinite, uh, it's an infinite volume with a set 
amount of stuff in it, mm-hmm. right? There's only we like perhaps it's continuously expanding, okay. but we're not creating new matter, right? So it's got a, an infinite amount of matter or a finite amount of matter in an infinite combination. So it turns out that in that situation, statistically speaking, everything that, that potentially could happen eventually will happen, including, and this is the Boltzmann brain, a spontaneous uh, combination coming together of matter to form a perfectly functional human brain that would be floating in space, uh, totally untethered from anything else. And said brain would have been, if you're a Boltzmann brain, which statistically apparently is, you probably are, uh, everything that you've experienced, all of your memories, everything you're experiencing right now is entirely a construct of this free-floating brain somewhere in the cosmos so that reality does not exist or if it does, you're not aware of it and that everything you know to, to be real is a construct of this spontaneously assembled brain so it's sort of taking the old a million monkeys typing on a million just they're expanding you it know to, to and expanding it to and it turns out that the the second law of thermodynamics the the constant increasing of entropy uh this physicist was saying it shouldn't really be a law it's more of a it's more of a principle um it's more of a tendency because if you look at the fact that we are here um even though entropy might be include you know chaos, right? Disorder is increasing um, in totality. You get these pockets of like reversal, right? So the fact that we exist and and that there's that there's stuff is the fact that in in small increments, entropy actually reverses itself. So over time, maximum disorder, they think. So it's not really a law that is says that there's, you know, you can never have uh, order emerge. So people are into chaos theory and whatnot. And again, this idea that even mathematically or or you can run computer simulations and order will emerge from chaos every now and then. And so this would be an extreme um, occurrence of that, that a brain would form spontaneously just from chaos and be able to think up an entire universe. So well, there you go. That's interesting. I do <laughs> think that, uh, I, think that um, I am of the opinion that... There is, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that there is uh, going to be some discovery in the next, well, hopefully within the rest of my lifetime, um, that will, I think, put the whole concept of how the universe is formed and I think it's going to change it. This is, I have it's no, going to change the universe? It's going to change... To me, it's the almost fact like that we'll know it's, something. It's, it's it like will something, change. It's like something is missing. Something we don't know. Yes. I feel that there's something that that is out there that is related and explains a whole bunch of stuff that we don't know at this moment in right. time. And then all of a sudden, people are going to go like, "Wow, why didn't we think of that before?" And something fundamental, right? Yeah. Something fundamental that explains a lot more. Um, and yeah, because because uh, I think there's a lot of things that we take for granted that don't. They don't necessarily all add up. Yes, and absolutely. Uh, and uh, so I think that that at some point in time, it'll get. We'll figure it out because we're clever, <laughs> well, or we'll kill ourselves. But, uh, Perhaps if we figure it out, the simulation comes to an end. Yeah. Maybe they're like, "Oh, game over." It's Ooh. like one of those video games where you you find the glitch that allows you to kind of go 
beyond the boundaries of the game. Yeah, yeah. And then the game just shuts down. It's like, oh, you've done. I had a game years ago. I played something called Police Quest. And it was, uh, for the time, it would have been PC-based, pretty sophisticated. It's a great game, actually. But I remember at one point, I did something, and my it actually flashed on the screen that I had done something that they hadn't anticipated, and therefore the game was shutting down. And then my little character just floated away. Woo! <laughs> and then the whole screen went blank, and I had to reboot. I was like, wow, that's... That's harsh. That is harsh. That is harsh. Game over. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the Boltzmann brain, I was like, okay, great. I'm not sure that impacts my day today. Still got to pay my phone bill. I, um, I learned two things this past week. Well, learned. Um, one is I had everything all set up to do. I did the Strathern Art Walk this weekend. So I had a booth and had everything set up, a payment system all Everything was ready to go. Right on. And then I dropped my iPad. Oh, and yes. And it broke. And I was, like, fortunately, it was semi-functional, even okay. though there was, like, shards of glass everywhere. So I put, the solution is you put packing tape on it. Oh, sure. Right? So it'll still work as a touch screen. Oh, um, okay. But you don't, uh, you don't, uh, you don't, uh, you won't get slivers of yeah. glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it will, they will just start falling out. Yes. No, it's not good. No. Um, anyway, uh, but basically I couldn't function with it. So I had to go, I had to get a, a new one. It was an old iPad, so I didn't feel too bad about it. But uh, yeah, still. Still, it's an expensive, yeah. It's expensive. It's an expensive, expensive drop. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yes. Well, I've, I've dropped it before. I had one where I got a little tiny crack and I was mm-hmm. able to, it just in the corner and a little bit of packing tape and it was still functional. But right. this, no, this one, it just. It was totally. Now, screen replacements are, are actually not that pricey. We, we've had a number of screens replaced. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point it becomes, you know, obsolete. My dad just had to buy a new iPad. Did I mention this last week? Where uh, yeah, oh, where the where the the the, uh, the software has been upgraded, yeah. and I was like, "What about all these old people?" So yeah, I I, I, found, yeah. I found a nice link to that on. Oh, okay, on, good. Uh, yeah, on last so week's. it is you know it is what it is. So, so. anyway, uh, but the thing is, so I have this. I'm like, I don't have a lot of time. I somehow need to migrate everything that works to be able to do the the billing, and I was already pretty exhausted. Right. I went to the iPad store, so I actually called. And ordered it, or booked a time. Yeah, and then I just showed up. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, well, it was. It still took me two hours there. Yeah. Wow. But two, it was, but that was on a weekend, right? It was on a Friday. Yeah. But two hours because they had they gave it to me and said, "Here, we can migrate everything. It will go automatically from one to the other. Just set them next to each other. Like it's shocking. It's amazing how well it works. Yeah. And so, uh, why did it take two hours though? Because I had a lot of shit on. Oh, sorry. I had a lot of stuff on ah, my iPad. Okay. Um, right. But anyway, yeah, it was so, uh, and it works fine. Like it was, it's almost as if, yeah. It, I mean, it is newer. It is faster. It uses face recognition instead of the old one I had had the thumb. The thumb, yeah. The thumb thing. The, yeah. the thumb thing is always a problem if you got wet fingers. But right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's the scoop. Uh, so that was one thing I learned. The other thing okay. is I really love my camper. Okay. My camper sits in the bed of my truck. Yes. So it's not, I don't pull it. I have to put it in the bed of the truck. Basically in order carry it. To carry it. Right. In order, so the, so 
there's two things that I don't like about my camper. Okay. Okay. But you love the camper. I love the camper. The overall experience is phenomenal. Okay. It is kind of big, but I... It is, yeah, it's it's very nice. And uh, But there's two things I don't like about it. Taking it on and off is very stressful. Yes. Because there's not a lot of clearance. It has to fit exactly <laughs> in there. It's, it's usually a two-person affair, although you could manage one, right. but I would be super cautious. Could you knock the thing over if, yeah, if you... Yes. Oh, God. So, yes. So, you have to be super careful. Yeah. And I had this one... Because it lives on some kind of stilts, I assume, right? Well, when you, when you, you they're unload called, it? They're called happy jacks, and they're a little yeah. electric lifts, and they don't run it exactly it's not self-leveling i suppose if you they might be able to get systems sure self -leveling. Okay. this is not self-leveling and so when it goes up you have to watch and make sure that the the front has always got to be taller higher than the back like two to three two to three inches tall. oh is that right yeah because because of because the overhang is oh slightly, okay. sure so you need to to even out the weight and inevitably they don't rise and they don't lift and go down at the same rate. So you right. have to watch. There's four of these happy jacks. The, um, but, uh, so that, so getting it on and getting it off is hard, but there's a thing that is way harder and it is, so that is stressful to get on and off. But in order to be able to put the camper on, I have to take the tailgate of my truck off. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, taking, yeah, that makes sense because, of course, the whole thing just... Yeah, that's right. Right. So you take it off. Now, the backup camera is in my tailgate. So there are four connectors that sit underneath. So you have to take this thing off. And it's fairly heavy. It's probably like 100 pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? I would imagine. Because right. it's a power lift and it's got steps, like a, like these little steps because it's such a tall truck. Okay, yeah. And um, But it's got four connectors. Yeah. And these four connectors have what appears to be a fairly, looks very simple, but in, in is overly complex connector. <laughs> okay. Right? That yeah. for whatever reason. Engineers. It takes me like mm -hmm. an hour to connect or, or really remove them. Holy smokes. Right? Like not because they're complicated, because I just can't get them to release. Is it finicky? They're fundamentally incredibly finicky getting them off getting them apart is is so difficult right and then once you get them back together then they won't click in and, oh, and now man. and today uh, and now it's stressful because you don't want to break the thing well and here's the catch <laughs> i put it on i managed to get it on get everything all connected yeah. um close the the now it's a power gate Okay. So oh, uh, so it means you unlock it and it will actually come down on its own. Wow. It's dampered and it's, you know, it's pretty fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I closed it. It's locked and won't unlock. Uh-oh. <laughs> now it's stuck in the up position. I have a tonneau cover that interact. So basically tonneau covers are basically, so it's this hard tonneau and it, it basically will fold down and it will yep. lock. It will lock in place. And the only way you can unlock it or get it open is to open the tailgate. Oh. So I got into this position where I, and actually I was doing this and I, I turned the light on in my, my bed and, uh, closed the tonneau cover and then realized, Oh, I left the light on and I'm going like, <gasps> Oh, I better, I can't open this thing. Also, oh, it's an internal light with a switch. Yeah, draining, oh, draining my battery, and right. so then I uh, oh, shit. I um, sorry, right. I used some, uh, I used some um, 
hooks uh, from the you know the pegs you get for uh, yeah 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 for tents. I released it. I managed to release it. it. Was really hard, and then I had to figure a way to prevent the tonneau cover because I, the main reason I put the tailgate on and whatever was so that I, my wife had convinced me that I should put the tailgate on and the tonneau cover and leave the car there rather than drive five minutes to go and drop everything off late at night on a, on the Saturday, because then I would have to go pick it up the following Monday. Drop so off. Probably a time of oh, this 15 the, minutes. The or yard walk thing. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, yeah. You have to tear down between days. Mm. So then I had all my mm. gear sitting mm -hmm. in the back of my truck. So I could drop it off at the studio and then I would have to pick it up the next morning. Yeah, so not, and, not time. Uh, yeah. But that would have taken me... <laughs> 20 minutes, half hour. 20 maybe. minutes, half yeah. hour for both, both drop-off. and Because it wasn't really that much stuff. Right. And um, and I told her that it was... I, I, you know, putting the tailgate on is... A lot. Anyway, it took me about an hour, hour and a half. And now I have to go get a service and figure out how to unlock the freaking truck. Oh, man. Because... I think you. I think I have to take an interior plate off, and there's a solenoid that's probably not. Uh, Holy smokes! Anyway, so I could do that, or I can pay mm -hmm. somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing mm -hmm. to do it properly. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a better way to get. It's still got to be under warranty, though, right? Because it's relatively new. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. It will be under warranty, provided I haven't done something. Before. Yeah, that's right. Well, we had a our Toyota 4Runner. Um, the door eventually, the the driver door just locked up, and. I had to take it to a bunch of places and the guy at the body shop was like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> it was just completely. So how did you get in to drive it? You had to go in through the passenger. I side? had to climb in through the passenger over the, the middle hump, which amused my children to no end. You know, my so wife. I did that for about two months. My wife did that for the longest time. We had yeah. a little Acura and it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a little different. The uh, handle broke. Yeah. Like the, like just the plastic part right. outside. So you couldn't actually open it from the outside. And my wife chose to keep hopping over. Sure. And, and uh, I said, I, I, I get in there and go like, what's wrong with this? I said, well, the handle doesn't work. I'm going like, okay. So I went and I got it fixed. Like it, it took, it cost like 50 bucks <laughs> at the, the dealership to get it yeah. fixed. And no. it took all of like, a phone call yeah. and a visit. No, this was different. I took it to our, our regular maintenance guy. Mm -hmm. They couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with it. I took it to a body shop uh, because we thought, and there was no impact or anything. It just locked up one day. Like the, it's just auto lock and, or whatever. and they couldn't figure it out. So ultimately I had to go to a, a wrecking yard and get a new door. I found a door, which was almost a perfect match. The, the color match was good because that particular color, Toyota had made for decades. So that was cool. But it was slightly, I think our car was an 03 and this was an 05 door. So it just had a slightly different profile, but close enough, right? And I actually had to cut the old door like through the exterior panel so you could get in and disassemble the locking mechanism. Oh, you're mechanism. kidding. It was that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, that's why we needed a new door because the guy's like, the only way I can do like they tried to take the interior, you know, like there's that um, covering. Uh, covering. They took that off, nothing. So he says, the only way we can get this thing open is we have to cut a the hole. exterior and then oh, wow. that's going to ruin the door. So it was a complete fluke. Cost me like 1400 bucks. Then we sold the thing. But <laughs> How much did you sell it for? I think we sold it for 5500 Okay. You know, 
Which was good because that almost four hundred, no, three hundred and eighty thousand kilometers. That's a lot of kilometers. Yeah. Anyways, fun stuff. All right. So, so, so today's uh, topic: pros and cons of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> Very relevant for many reasons. <laughs> yes. Um, there are definitely there's pros, ups. There's definitely pros and then there's so downs. I've come up with my <laughs> top three for pros okay. and cons. All right. I didn't know this was our topic, so I'm going to let you go first and then I'll, I'll, I'll think about mine. Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think the, the emotional I think damage. The, yeah. Well, this is the thing the, 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 there is the perception of entrepreneurs. People think entrepreneurs like, Oh my, you're an entrepreneur. And I'm just like, I, I yeah. first, I hate the name entrepreneur because you're just basically a business owner, right? Like, it's, right. It's just, well, fancy. yes and no. Yeah. And depends uh, what kind of business, right? But, um, but, uh, so the, the big thing is people think you're an entrepreneur, you have freedom. Right. That is the freedom. I'm so free. I am free to do whatever the hell I want, but you really need to have some direction. Yes. Um, but, uh, but if you do have direction, you do have some freedom to make your own choices. Yep. You are your own boss. That means right. you are responsible for everything. Which can be a good thing or a bad thing. It's yeah. really, uh, you, you you basically, uh, sometimes you're the worst boss in the world. Yes. For yourself. That's right. Um, and um, the other advantage, now I... So are these the pros or the cons? This is the pros. Oh, these are the pros. Okay. So your own boss. I wanted to you make You have a sure. lot of freedom. Yeah, freedom. And then the, uh, the third thing is, um, because you're your own boss, you can be pretty nimble in terms of making your own decisions yes. and changing. This is true. If something's not working, you can change it easily. Right. Okay. Now, uh, so assuming you know what you need, what to you're do. doing, yeah, well, <laughs> it's super important if you are being an, if you want to be an entrepreneur to, and you have an idea that you actually know something about that. It's not like, a, I'd like to build a rocket ship. Have you ever built one before? No. Do well, you know anything yeah. about it? No. Unless you've, uh, sold, you know, your internet startup for billions yeah. and you've got probably some runway to learn exactly but if you don't yeah you you don't have that much runway so um the cons are okay. uh financial risk so yep. you're basically uh you're responsible for paying yourself if your idea doesn't work if you <laughs> don't get out there and get enough people to buy whatever or even if they do buy and you can't uh, turn it around in a reasonable way that allows you to yep make money um, plus, you sometimes need some of that runway. You need some yeah, uh, totally. bit of a bit of a cushion to make sure you can actually accomplish what you need to Absolutely. accomplish. Um, the second thing is entrepreneur, especially if you're doing it entirely by yourself, like you basically, it can be a little lonely. It can be lonely. Absolutely. Right? You really don't have that support network or yep. that uh, team to uh, to play to to play off of each other so you can actually improve things uh sometimes you get caught into uh um, false narratives that you're you're creating that right that don't really relate you, you think why isn't everything buying this thing that i created <laughs> and you're going like, because they don't know about it or because um you're you're charging too much or you're and sometimes you need somebody who will actually right. uh, tell you 
this is a dumb idea. This is a dumb, sometimes it's just a dumb idea. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. your messaging is wrong or well, there's I mean, a hundred things. And Elon wrong, Musk has the right? opposite idea. He's got so much money. He can do whatever the hell he wants that he still has dumb ideas and nobody will tell him. It's well, a dumb that's idea. right. So, uh, but, but again, with that kind of money, he's, uh, you can fail a lot. Yeah. Right. Well, he's not, Twitter not thing worried is... about paying his phone bill. That's true. <laughs> uh, and then think. the third thing is, especially if you're a one man show, it's a bit of feast and famine. Yes. So you basically, um, you, um, you either have too much work and you're going to let people down because you can't keep up. Right. Or, um, or whatever it is, whatever it is that you're selling. And the other option is that you are, you don't have enough work and it's really tough when you don't have enough work because you kind of go like, oh, am I good enough? There's, there's, yes, like, it's there's emotionally, a, there's a lot of emotional, can be emotionally swings. crushing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've gone through that. Um, personally, I've managed to survive and come out the other side. I was able to grow one of my businesses. I, I had three businesses before uh, my th- I guess it was my second one was the one that was the most successful. successful. Right. Uh, I'm actually on my fourth right now. Fourth or fifth. Fifth. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I've got... Uh, so the first one was a disaster. Right. And that's when I learned when you go into business, make sure you know about the business before you go into it. It's not all about just money. So I... Yeah. Uh, second thing I learned was uh, don't... Uh, don't hire your friends unless you've worked with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is. Yes. Just because it can be the nicest person. Yeah. And have a unanimous shareholders agreement. And having an, yeah, that, that, that I learned that. Put and that one in place when everybody's I still that, getting along and it's like, this will be great. I learned okay. that in my third one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've done, so I had a PI business. Right. I remember you telling me about that. I don't think we knew each other. I was a that. No, you would have known. Oh yeah. Were you? Oh, yeah. this was your sideline. Yeah. It was a bad idea. Magnum PI. Yeah. I had a little yeah, PI really license. So much fun. Was, yes. Can't carry a gun. No, no, not in Alberta. <laughs> uh, uh, I did a retail store. Yes, I remember that. And that that was uh, also very common. A learning experience. Very much a learning experience. I learned the value of unanimous shareholders agreement. Because right. Because we're actually all still friends. There you go. There were ten of us. And usually if you're if you're if you get it get it buying a business and it's too cheap to be true. There's a reason it's too cheap. Yeah, to exactly. Someone doesn't mean that you're going. Oh, I'm buying it for cheap. How much could it cost me? Right, a lot. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. And about my engineering business, which is the thing I knew the most about. Sure. And uh, so clearly, uh, was the most successful. Yep. I also did. Uh, I also have a business that is a is a real estate business, and that that does fine. So, oh yeah, this would be like the, yeah. the old co for the building and all that. Yeah, I own, yeah. own two, two, okay. two, and so that that ticks over. I mean, it doesn't generate a ton of revenue, no. but it's it's paying off the mortgage. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and my last, my fifth one is uh, Mark Hughes Photography, which is uh, a vanity project that which has a couple of divisions, doesn't it? Yeah, it's well, got the education division, got the, uh, education. the animal photography division, and and then the everything else division. Yeah, the and place is just teeming with activity here. Well, there is There's lots of stuff going team. on. Whether or not I actually make a lot of money, <laughs> but and and the objective of that that business is not necessarily to make a lot of money. It's just right. To, 
to uh, to pay bills. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, holy smokes, uh, 20 years self-employed now as a business owner and uh, ups, downs, you know, um, lonely, yeah, at times. Um, I think you're also subject, sure. subject to the whims of the economy. You're definitely subject to the whims of the economy. Um, so, for instance, my business was very successful personally for about 12 or 14 years uh, and I think a lot of that was driven by the economy, got into a, a form of partnership with a bunch of people, sort of an un, uh, informal partnership that had pluses and minuses, got into a formal pl- partnership, which fell apart abruptly. Thank goodness for unanimous shareholders agreement, because yeah. uh, despite and even though it was amicable, it still cost me like 5000 bucks just to acquire the brand and, and all of that. So, I mean, basically, I think my partner bought me out. Or I bought him out for a buck. And that's what he got a dollar. And then the lawyers and everybody else got like, you know, four, $4,999. And that was a namicable division. Well, uh, that's the thing with the so unanimous shareholders agreement basically is the what to do when everything goes wrong. Yes. And it's basically a set of rules. And once you've done that ahead of time, it means that when things go wrong, you have a way out. The path is laid out. You don't actually yeah. have to think about it too much. Ass- assuming it's well written, because I I've have some had I've had clients that have had a USA that either one one person hired a lawyer. In one case, it was the guy's wife. And when the when the poop hit the fan, everybody found out this thing was completely insane. Or people will download them off the internet. These generic. Oh, unanimous shareholder agreements, which some of my lawyer uh, contacts just totally, their blood runs cold because they're like, don't do that. Because it's well, like any the, kind of contract where you download it off the internet, that might be a good way to, start. like a starting point. So here's a framework. But not a finishing point. No, but uh, yeah, no, they have a lot of value. So just to speak to the, to the isolation thing. Yeah, I spent a lot of time as an entrepreneur, cause I'm a, I've been a one man show. I've had contract people come in and go. And, uh, but more recently I've, I've changed my tune and now I'm, I'm really trying to build community and reach out to other consultants and professionals. And, and that's a mindset change. Cause I think you can become very isolated, see everybody as a potential threat and, um, you know, it, it becomes tiring. Well, you know, it's interesting. I find too with, uh, so for me, I have certain strengths. I have certain weaknesses. Um, the problem with being a one man show is I've got to, I've got to deal with both. Right. Um, I well, have, we all do. Right? Well, it's true. But, uh, my success in my engineering company was, um, I was able to market and get work. I had trouble getting it out the door. Yes. So I, but you were you, able to find people to do that. Part. Yeah. So I basically yeah. hired to my weakness. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and which that, is very smart. That worked out really well, really well. I think there's an ego issue with some entrepreneurs that they will not hire to their weakness. Yeah. They want to hire clones of themselves. Exactly. And uh, the yeah. problem is then you double the problems. Yes. Well, entrepreneurs come in all stripes, right? I mean, I've worked with lots of owners who are, yeah, you know, wedded to this idea of, uh, they have to be in control of everything. And, and that, that, it's self-limiting. You can only grow to a certain mm-hmm. level. And those who've been successful are the ones who were not happy about it. Look, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you tend to be, as we talked about, 
you're self-directed, you're ambitious, you want to have the freedom. And it's a bit of a tough, can be a bit of a tough pill to realize, oh, you know, I can't do it all. But those who do, whether they like it or not, but are willing to accept it, usually do better. And uh, they're not nearly as burned out, right? Well, and, and I have to say that, uh, so when I started started my business, I was going like, well, you know, I basically run the this division within our company. Right. So how hard could it be? Famous last words. <laughs> and those are air quotes. Right? Yes. The, you uh, can see that. How, uh, how hard could it be? And, um, well, it was really hard. There's, uh, there's a lot of parts to running a business that what you are insulated from in most businesses. Right. A lot of the accounting issues, yep. a lot of the admin things, a lot of the insurance and corporate setup. I mean, like yep. one of the fundamental things was I went to a lawyer and I said, I'd like to set up a company. Great. We can do that. How would you like to set it up? I said, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. And he said, I can set it up any way you want it. I'm like, that's not <laughs> no, helpful. That's I, why I'm I, paying that's why you. I want, I want you to tell me can how you I should give set me up. Some I, advice? Said, I can do it any way you want. Oh, Jesus. I'm going, okay, I, how would you like it set up? I'm going, I have no idea. I have no, no re frame yeah, of reference. I'd like some offshore accounts because I'm planning on hiding a lot of money from the government. Exactly. Oh, so the yeah. the long and the short That's of it. That's terrible. The, well, it, it worked out okay. It, it, I I figured it out in the end. <laughs> right. But it was, um, you know, it, it it is one of those things where setting up a company when you have a blank sheet of paper, you right. can put anything on it. Absolutely. So if you don't have an idea of what you want to put on it, it still remains a blank yeah. sheet of paper. No. So you know, finding the right advisors. Um, it's it can be pricey, but it usually pays off. But they don't necessarily the road, want to right? tell you what you're going to print yeah. on your blank sheet of paper. Yeah, see, that's insane. I mean, I think if you're a, if you're a professional advisor, if if your lawyer won't tell you or give you a recommendation, you're probably dealing with the wrong person. Right? Yeah. It's like, look, I'm especially if I guess it'd be bad if you know what you're doing and they're like, do this, do that. You're like, okay, I, I know. But if someone comes to you and they're like, you know, what, I really don't know what to do. It's not very helpful. Marketing people have sometimes that same problem where they're like, they just take what you tell them and they put it and on your website. And, and you're like, going like, but where's the, where's the insight? Where's, where's the expertise? Where's the expertise? Exactly. Where's the, where's the, you should, I would do this if I were you kind yeah. of thing. Now I will make one comment about you. You mentioned financial security and yeah, that, that is, that is a reality. Um, and there's times where I think, man, should I just stop this? Cause right now, you know, it's not been the best. Um, but here's a, here's an interesting thing. I've had a lot of people in my kind of orbit who have come to me, uh, people that I don't necessarily know. And they're like, yeah, I was working for this company and I was a senior, this, that, or the other thing. And I was there like 25 blah years. And suddenly, you know, I was outsourced or downsized or, and I'm out. Right. And now I'm like 53 and I still need to work for a whole bunch of years. And so now I'm a consultant and I'm always like, Oh boy, <laughs> you know, that is not a great uh, spot to start. So I think there's a bit of an illusion. Like when my dad, your dad, our parents, and I teach about this in management school, that being one of the big changes over the last, let's say 34 years, a lot of people would start, and as long as you didn't totally screw up, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd have, there was a social contract. There's so many people now, 40, 50, 
well, maybe not so much forties, but fifties and, and even older who, uh, all of a sudden like the rug gets pulled out. And so, and they're not prepared for it. No. So in some ways it's cold comfort, but I look at it and I go, okay, I am used to being on my own. Right. I'm yeah, used I mean, to you... having no backup, no security blanket. Right. Um, which is scary, but I couldn't imagine trundling along and you're like, Ooh, doo -doo, you know, we're doing all this middle-class stuff and suddenly here's your package and you're gone. Well, that's, that's, wow. that's one of the things that I really, uh, so, so, so there's two points that I want to make. One is that, um, so working for a smaller company versus a big company, some people think there's more security with the big company and the small company. And I actually think that's completely yeah, false. I think it used to be that way. You, with a big company, you can be um, made redundant for incredibly Absolutely. bizarre reasons. So, you, yep. And you will have no idea it's coming. No, that's right? right. With a small company, you at least have an idea idea that something's going to happen if you're paying attention yeah like it does, it's not as <laughs> not as know. it's not as hard to figure out that, that there is something yeah. up that's right right um yeah. but the second thing is lots that, of closed door meetings the boss is crying oh well not yeah. my problem <laughs> well and and going one step further is um i mean you you've been an on you've been on self-employed for 20 years but if somebody is all of a sudden doing this, what they need to know, one of the first things you need to know is that if you're starting with anything substantial, it may take you a while to be in a position to actually pay any pay yourself. Right. So if you're right. if you're starting more than just a consulting business, yes, you're actually it doesn't really matter what it is, coffee shop or right, whatever. Yeah. Unless right? you're buying, like, if you buy an established business you might be in a bit of a better position, but even there, you got to know what you're doing. There. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah. you, that you need, if you're starting from scratch, count on two years, no salary. Oh, absolutely. And if right. you can't manage that, yeah, you've got to step away from the blackjack table. <laughs> you got to find something else. And there's lots of jobs out there that are available now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another phenomenon actually I wanted. So I've had, over the years, I've worked with a lot of business owners who wanted to, well, originally they want to sell to their employees, right? right. It's like, well, you know, they're going to sell. And then they find out that the employees don't have any money. <laughs> exactly. And then they'll, they'll often try to, there's ways to structure that where you basically do like an earn out and you say, okay, you almost finance the employees purchasing. But I remember being in a number of meetings where after a bunch of initial water cooler discussions, the employees were very on board until you start getting into like the, the, the fine, fine print. Right. Right. Say, so, well, maybe the bank's going to want a personal guarantee. And they're like, what? And they're suddenly like, Whoa, hang on a second. I had one guy, uh, I may have told this story already, but it was, it was unbelievable. The owner was willing to basically give these guys enough equity that they would have to pay out over time. It was about 200,000 in equity at the end of the day, but the account was there and laying it out and you know he'd done a quick back of the envelope calculation and he said you have to pay about eight thousand dollars in tax you know so you're getting two hundred thousand in equity that yes you'll have to pay back but it'll be paid out of the proceeds of the company like mm -hmm. the owner was willing to have a loan yeah. but there's going to be a tax hit and of course the owner's like i ain't on on the hook for the tax hit you're gonna have to pay it. and this guy could not get his head around eight thousand dollars and he's like how the hell am i gonna pay for eight thousand 
And the account's like, well, you could borrow it from family. You know, maybe you could go to the bank. Like, there's got to be some way you can. You're getting 200 grand in equity for $8,000. You know, you know what the ROI on that? The guy could not get past it. And the whole thing like fell apart. And so to me, that's the difference between an employee mindset, which a lot of people have, and an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, good or bad, entrepreneurs are like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to figure out a way to make this work. Uh, whereas other people are like, yeah, there's no way those doors. Well, and I ran into that a little bit with my company. Now I was successfully getting them to change a bit of their attitude and become more entrepreneurial. Some Um, of your employees, you mean? Yeah. And they, they, they they ended up being minority shareholders, but they still had a chunk. So when the company was, when we merged, um, they became now um, minority shareholders in sure. a much bigger operation. Yeah. Now you were and smart though, because you brought these people in early, you know, quite a long time before you, you exited. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that gives people a chance to ease into the role, get comfortable, you know, you can grow into it. The, the scenarios I saw was like, you know, almost Last like minute. an over, you're going to want to buy this thing. Right. And they're like, sure. <laughs> Until you start laying out, uh, the the details and then suddenly the conversation you can usually see it in people's faces their eyes get big and the reality start to sink in and they're like no way right yeah well and and it's and it's uh, <laughs> are you crazy what people don't realize <laughs> and especially in Canada if uh, if you um so if you borrow money yeah to buy equity in a Canadian company yeah that interest that you pay on the borrowed money is uh, tax deductible. Right. So um, uh, the so that is a huge incentive right. to be able to borrow money to buy uh, the company because basically it's, it's not free money, but it is cheap money. Sure. And um, uh, so there's, yeah, so, so you can do that. And, and if you go through that process, people under start understanding when you know we'll have another episode where we'll talk a bit more about um general finances and right. uh, an approach to that but uh, but there are ways to make it work like it was interesting for us we so part of the reason why i have a real estate company is because the engineering company we needed a place to stay so right. um so and by making it a related company so the shareholders in both companies were the same even though the percentages were quite different okay yeah that um, that basically you got a preferential tax treatment. Right. Um, when I eventually um, exited the business, the engineering business, mm-hmm. now that preferential tax situation isn't there. But we'd been running long enough. Right. That it was uh, it was doing fine, and we we managed through the pandemic. So yeah. Well, this is another thing, and I, and we're coming up on our time here. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. You know, that's one of the big issues around exit planning is people don't access those resources. Like an estate planner, a tax planner, like there's so many things that you can take advantage of. There's mechanisms with insurance. There's all of these advantageous plays, but you got to... You got to think You got to find the right people. You got to find... You got to put them in place. Like wait into the last minute. Um, recipe for disaster no exactly right yeah. and uh, i mean it's all legal but it's it's very strategic so something like yeah you know uh, 
creating a hold co and how do you structure the cap, you know, the, the ownership so that again, there's opportunities to move money around and minimize tax. Uh, most business owners, most consultants don't know that stuff, right? Uh, but you find a good expert that that's their day in, day out. You can really get some good strategies and help help implement. Well, in fact, so as part of the valuation process for the for my engineering business when I was doing uh -huh. when we were doing the merger, because um, you need to know how to value it, um, he recognized that the valuator said, "Look, I think I can help you improve your uh, the the costs associated with your real estate company when you're ready." We'll move the mortgage somewhere else, and I have a link. I have a contact. Yeah, so, absolutely. So he ended up paying for his services by the amount of crazy amount of money I ended up saving by making that change that I wasn't aware of. Right. So it was uh, when you get good advisors, they really help. It they time. absolutely do. Yep. Um, okay, so let's talk media. Media. What did you consume this? <clears throat> I'm reading a new Jack Reacher novel. What's well, not new? It's new to me. I, I splurged six bucks from the Wee Book Inn. Oh my god! Not a sponsor. And uh, picked up. Uh, I'm just. I, I mean, I enjoy them. They're a total escape. Uh, awesome. They're so formulaic. It's like, but I think that's part of it, right? Of course, uh, She-Hulk continues to entertain. Yeah, I, uh, so you've seen the fourth episode. Now. Yeah, Lower Decks, and then I'm also. Uh, oh, I'm into season four of Ozark, and it's so dark. Like everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I've said this a few times I was looking for something to tide me over while I'm waiting for the last season of Better Call Saul and because uh, I thought well Ozark seems like in the same vein oh my god it's so much darker in some ways it's just <laughs> it's just terrible oh my. but really good <laughs> um I um did I talk about this last week I, I was an, an audio book called The Project Hail Mary no. no. So, um, so I really enjoyed a book by Andy Weir. Now, Andy Weir did The Martian. The one oh, with okay. Right. Also, so is this fiction? This is science fiction. Yeah. yeah. And then there was another one he did that I really enjoyed called Artemis, which is actually about uh, a moon base on. Oh, on the moon. interesting. Of course, a moon base on the moon. Uh, a base on the moon. Um, and uh, this is called Project Hail Mary, and. Um, I enjoyed it, although okay. I have to say that he dives into the science so deep that uh, it's kind of like at points in time you're going like, okay, move along. <laughs> um, and it's, um, but it's a very interesting story. Uh, okay. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. Well, The Martian was awesome. So I, if it's in that vein. It is very much in that vein. Um, Artemis was, I actually like, Artemis better. Um, okay. Artemis is a story about this woman on the, the base and this whole society and how it's developed and why it's, why it, it is what it is. So it's got quite the imagination and uh, um, the Hail Mary is interesting. And part of the reason I, I made the comment about we're going to figure something out there. So there, there's basically this thing that uh, astrophages a, a life form that can consume energy and oh can, interesting uh, and uh, it can consume energy consume energy and uh and store it ah but it not is, destroy it so the first law of thermodynamics still holds does not no nice. totally but it can it can also it it's an incredibly efficient um and efficient uh energy uh 
source. So you wow. takes a lot of energy, absorbs it, and then can release it. And it and it gives the explanation of how it works eventually. Interesting. But it, uh, it's fascinating. And so it, it's a it's very out there in terms of science fiction. Okay. Um, because yeah, it goes through a whole process. But right. uh, now I think he was. Anyways, I know there was uh, a show called uh, Mars. And it was a joint venture. It was an, an entertaining movie. But I think it National Geographic was. Yeah, it? but everything was based on reality. And I think he was one of the commentators. Oh, well, that could be. Um, He's a super because his stuff is is pretty, pretty based in reality. Right? Yeah, this yeah, this was very much made ba- up. This was based in reality, but uh, kind of deep dive into the science. Yeah, so. cool. Um, and the other thing I watched, I finally watched uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh, what did you think? Because again, it's there's a lot of split attitudes on it. Well, I think it's. Two movies in one. Oh. And uh, I think the take. first little bit of the movie, I hate it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, because if you go back through all the Thor movies. Yeah. The, like the very first movie, he's a narcissist, only concerned about himself. Right. He's kind of goofy and uh, really oblivious to Irresponsible. everybody else. Irresponsible. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. And then, and, uh, and then. Part of that movie and then the following movie is he becomes more rounded. Yes. More, you know, less stupid. Right. But then in Endgame, he he, he really hits. Well, I guess. Well, and then, in, and then in, in Ragnarok. So, I mean, there's a comedic aspect. Right. But he's playing the straight man to the comedy that's happening uh, that's around, around him. him. Yes. And uh, so he's, he's a, a believable character. Right. At the very beginning of the Thor: Love and Thunder, he is that stupid player, stupid guy again, yes. and he's just being ridiculous yes. and uh, and you know oblivious to other people in a way right. that he wasn't in the other one. That's true. Now and he then, is and he then, is recovering from depression, so I guess fair. you could say he's that's what, that's refinding what, himself. That's what my We're stretching here, yeah. But you know, when you have to justify it, yeah. Well, but 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 here's the catch: he becomes that old character that that more mature yes. wiser character like because he basically starts making these speeches at the beginning of the thing that are basically like this half-baked you haven't really thought this through that's you're, right you're, you you don't know what you're saying yes. you're just full of crap yeah right but by the end he totally it's, it comes, it back. comes yeah. back i enjoyed it i mean it's it's so it's a I, movie on I, a comic book i, I did, <laughs> no. and i really enjoyed i re- enjoyed it once it found its legs yeah. again yeah so I, a little bit too much slapstick and, the, and that was mostly and, uh, at the beginning part yeah. and the uh the whole thing uh like i like taika with tt he's yes. quite an interesting individual and i've seen him in a bunch of other stuff right he has a way of like uh, talking and a way of like uh, what we pa- do in the dark and exactly. yeah he has a particular sense of humor and a way of saying things right like even in uh what was it called free guy free guy uh oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. so he plays a character and he just you know, right. he's riffing. Because he directed that too, I think. He did. Yeah. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. But he, uh, he there's a riffing that he does. Right. And what I really noticed, particularly in the first part of uh, Love and Thunder, I could hear these characters saying things that Tycho would say. Right. And I'm going like, that's a Taika line. That's not necessarily what that character uh, would say. That is sure. a Taika line. Yes. Right. And, um, 
and and for me, Taika needs to say the Taika lines, not uh, not, other characters. not other characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Well, you know, I, I so I've heard that he's not going to be directing the fifth one whenever there is a fifth one, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, you know, uh, Ragnarok was phenomenal; it was just like totally knocked it out of the park. And this one was, eh, you know, somewhere in between. Had good and bad. I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, but. Some stuff weared a little thin. Yeah. Like, ah, okay, that was the easy go. And I think you're right. It's it's too much of his voice. Um, and so he's not going to do the fifth one. And I think that's fine. He's right? not? or he's... Apparently he's not. Yeah. Right? They've already said, no, we're going to go with somebody else. Um, yeah. And, and that's what makes the MCU, I think, dynamic. Because they, they're willing to try different stuffs. Some of it is like, wow, better than... that was awesome. Other parts are, eh. That's well, it's like She-Hulk. She-Hulk, I kind of like parts of it, and there's parts of it I'm just kind of eeeh. Because it's yeah. kind of a bit like little, a sitcom. A little cringy. It's a little sitcom-y. Yeah. As a, like, there's parts of it that are like a sitcom. Almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what the hell the point is. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, three where episodes this, where in. Where is this going? Yeah. Like, where yeah. Are you, like uh, with Ms. Marvel, I... Like I was willing to, uh, it was interesting it enough that I was willing to. started to, there was a place, it was a story. <laughs> this one I'm like, okay, so Mia Blonsky is, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but like he's out of the picture because uh, he's been paroled, so he's gone. Abomination. Well, is he? Well, we don't know. I think he'll he's be not going to be, sure he's not going to be in the Thunderbolts. No, so. I think he'll be back though. I and then that. Wong is, uh. You know, doing his thing. So and Wong is goofy. Wong is very goofy, and not in a way that he wasn't goofy in any of the the, the like. He was very serious. Well, but remember in Shang Chi though, he goes and he gets totally blasted with uh, with Shang Chi, and uh, so Wong has always had this under undercurrent of, of, of humor. Of, yeah, but it's too goofy and yeah, She-Hulk. but it fits in with the show. Yeah, of right? course. So the show's off the off but, the. But he's off, just like, it's yeah. just, like you got to be a little careful to still maintain. Well, this is the thing integrity I, of the character. I think this the thing I've always appreciated with uh, Marvel is that these always seem like real people, right? In with weird powers in, in weird strange situations. Strange situations. Yeah, yeah but they always yeah. felt like they were real. Um, it's kind of like uh, well, and I've told you this before. I hate. Uh, George Costanza in Seinfeld because he is never I've never believed him to be real oh right? I don't think you've because, told me that before because he's just uh, it's too unreal it's just too stupid yeah right there are people who are stupid and they make mistakes he is yeah. just like he has although too... Larry David apparently is very much like George Costanza <laughs> and <Right>. he's real <laughs> but uh, but anyway it, it just uh, uh yeah, so I find that uh, as soon as you go too far, and I can't believe that character anymore yeah. because I can't believe that they would make those that stupid a mistake. Yeah, that's on right. a consistent basis. That's true. I uh, there's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I haven't seen the whole series where they recreate the whole Seinfeld. Like they come back and they do a Seinfeld reunion. And Larry David is is after Jason Alexander, telling him he's not playing the character right. And then he steps in and does a scene as George, and it's bang on. Oh, like he, it's just like he really is George. So that's yeah, it's very entertaining. I think we should wrap it up. I think we should wrap it up. Where this is too much fun. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, been a, it's been a voyage. We've been, been up, a voyage. we've been down. Yep. So uh, how long are we at here? We're just under an hour. Okay. Well, you know that's. 
Okay. Par for the course. Okay. So, topic for next week. Do we have something? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Shit.